Welcome to Transition, Gadgets 360's gaming and pop culture podcast. Today's episode is slightly special because we are going to be talking about pop culture before gaming, and it's also special because this is a Star Wars special episode. So f- that's copyright music. That's no, that's <laughs> no, it's my cover of John Williams' score. All right, that's our pop culture nerd. He's Akhil Arora. Hey everyone, and we have a new person on the podcast this time. That's Saad Rashid. Hello, he hello is everyone. A media professional who's worked in the media industry previously, and he's a huge, huge Star Wars fan. And trust me, like we've been, we just watched the movie, the Star Wars, the Last Jedi, and we came out. And before that, after that, all he's been doing is talking about Star Wars and. Uh, which movie he loved in the previous arc, and which movie he really loves well, in the current arc. There's a lightsaber next to him, so like yeah. that proves everything. Yeah, and he's carrying a real life model of a lightsaber. <laughs> yeah, which which actually lights up, and you touch the lightsaber, and it makes a noise and all of that. So you can imagine like you know the level of Star Wars nerdery he engages in, if you know. Yeah, um, this is the guy. This is the guy who's been counting down to Last Jedi since the Force Awakens, which I, I have no idea how many days that was. Yeah, but Saad would. Well, yeah, uh, I mean, you know, this is. This is the time that you know you've been looking forward to in the last two or three years, and although it's not it's not a continuation to Rogue One, which was the last Star Wars movie that that was released, uh, it is a good addition to the entire saga that has come up to so far. Yeah. So um, yeah, I I really enjoyed the movie, and I hope that um, this podcast um, makes you very excited to watch the movie, and um, yeah, so. Yeah, yeah so which is why be. so yeah what we spoke about so which is why we're gonna what we're gonna do is for the first ten or so minutes we're gonna talk about in a non-spoiler fashion so to get you excited for the movie as Saad said and after that we'll jump into spoilers. So yeah, yeah so right now if you've not seen the movie if you don't know what this is about you can continue listening we'll have a very very prominent spoiler warning somewhere in the middle we'll of like this a, we'll do a false screech as well to make sure you hear it properly yeah and we will not play any copyright music uh, yeah, around I will that make the time sounds myself. yeah <laughs> sure so okay Akhil why don't you begin by uh, maybe talking about The Last Jedi and uh, where it stands in the arc so I believe this is the second movie in the new trilogy right yeah. which is probably the third trilogy in the Star Wars right, series so overall it's the eighth movie which as any star wars fan would know works in a very weird fashion because first we got four five six and then we got one two three like a decade and a half later and now we're getting a decade and a half later seven eight nine so if you're a star wars fan then you don't know what what that means but for others this is technically the eighth movie overall but for main storyline purposes for this story this is the second picture as pranay said which is uh, following the force awakens which released in 2015 from director J.J. Abrams, and this one is from Ryan Johnson, who ma- who's made movies such as Looper, Brick, and Brothers Bloom in past. Who is he's doing Star Wars for the first time, and there was a lot of excitement for the director because of his previous work, and he's delivered. I would say he's delivered in a big way, and which was in a way obvious because of what Disney gave him before we even got Last Jedi, because he gave us he's been given hands to a whole new trilogy from Disney. Yeah, so uh, like as Saad said earlier, this is not a continuation from Rogue One, even yeah. though Rogue One that's was a, a movie. That's standalone. Yeah, that's Rogue One was this. a movie that released before this. It's a like a continuation of the story from The Force Awakens. So Saad, why don't you tell us what you thought about uh, this and where this movie stands in in terms of the whole well, Star Wars um, universe? As a fan, I was very excited before, even before I um, saw the movie, and after now that I have. Um, I would say that uh, it has been worth the wait um, and it was such a visually appealing movie you know uh, it just and since Disney has bought Star Wars 
um i think that the story has moved in a different direction you see a lot of um, new characters from the force awakens and uh, you know they have brought in something that has not is is something that star wars is not really known for um i found the last jedi to be quite funny at times uh it had its own twists and turns it had uh, a lot of drama it had a lot of character and if you ask me it was a very bold movie as compared to the force awakens because um uh, it really took the reins of what jj abrams movie was and turned it to a an entirely different direction that no star wars fan could have possibly imagined uh despite um, having followed the series for so long yeah so did you feel that in the force awakens jj abrams played the nostalgia card a bit too much and since then the two movies that we've seen in the star wars uh, saga they have like toned down on that a lot and allowed for individual character development and brought in uh, all the new people who've come in they've gotten a chance to express themselves on the on this uh, trilogy well a lot of people might think that the force awakens was uh, similar to a new hope in how um you were introduced to Luke Skywalker in a new hope and you were introduced to Rey in um, the the force awakens but uh, for me it was my my criticism of the force awakens was that it left a lot of answers unanswered um i did not feel that uh, a lot of characters were explored and personally as a star wars fan i was quite disappointed that uh, luke skywalker did not feature um, as much as i would have liked in the force awakens but looking at how the last jedi uh, has panned out um connecting that to the force awakens makes a lot more sense now than watching force awakens as a standalone movie of a new trilogy yeah so in a way these movies are like more like epis- like they are truly episodes when you know when disney calls them because they are like they're part of something whole like if you just see one it's not i mean yeah you should be judging each movie by itself but they can only be judged properly once we have the entire trilogy with ourselves because then we can truly look back on how each film set up the next film and how the next film paid off on the previous film exactly and if you've seen uh, the rogue one or the new standalone movies um, that is the han solo movie that will be coming up soon um, those are standalone movies and despite the fact that it is in the star wars universe uh, they aren't part of a trilogy or a saga of some yeah. sort whereas the last jedi cannot or the force awakens cannot be considered to be standalone and uh, as a star wars fan who thought that the that return of the jedi would be uh, the end to the star wars as we know it uh, the force awakens brought a whole different chapter into the yeah. the the saga and uh, it did not make a lot of sense to me when i saw it and i did not like it as much as i should have but having seen the last jedi now uh, a lot of what happened in the force awakens makes a lot more sense now than it did when i had seen the movie true so. i think i i can appreciate many of the characters that we you know the new ones not the old ones a lot more because of the last jedi and truly for obviously kylo ren for reasons we'll get into after the spoiler warning and especially like there was as you said you know the funny moments because you know these characters for one movie you know and we now we able to enjoy them more like especially like bb8 like the number of amazing things he does in the movie is 
is brilliant like i loved the character every time he would cuz every time he would come he would come he would be out of the blue he would be a surprise you would not expect him in the place he would be you would not expect him to do the thing he would do and just it just blew me away like i love the guy now i Even love more, like, how you you know think of bb8 as a guy but bb8 <laughs> is that to me like is bb8 like is without being like you know having a face he can express with emote with like just because of his electronic beeps made by a computer and a pulley like that, that a person is dragging like you yeah. know how bb8 is made right there's a guy in a green suit who drags him around which is like amazing yeah and so from I, that, i mean they can bring up such a performance that connects with you at this point maybe there are like three people in the entire universe who don't know what a bb8 is <laughs> but it's it's a droid it's a robot so technically it could be a she it's it actually be, yeah. an it but yeah i mean clearly akhil you know thinks of bb8 as as a cute little guy <laughs> he is a cute little guy. He's, such, he's like almost. Like, I mean, I no wonder like Disney sells like millions of these. Like obviously, but like obviously we're we're digressing from the point. Yeah. So uh, BB-8's role was you know one of the what do I say? Like it's it's one of those sidekicks in this movie who had yeah. a prominent role in, to play in the it was plot. Like small small things. You know, yeah. like the shot where like he like takes down a lot of people and then he like he's like sort of blows apart his like sort of gun and takes it back. Like those sort of small elements. contribute like to its personality. Yeah, so Saad I believe you had some things to say about like yeah, speaking of uh, sidekicks. Talking about BB8, I um you know one would think that he replaces R2 from what you saw of R2 in the original uh you know the first six movies, but that's not really true. He just he brings something completely different to what you saw R2 doing. You know, whereas R2 and C3PO were like a pair you know on their own adventures at the same time when yeah. uh, the story is unfolding whereas bb8 is for me uh, more of a standalone um, who doesn't have a rival robot or a sidekick robot with him and even I, though the last jedi does try to introduce one which appears for like sadly for just 5 minutes that uh, evil e, yeah yeah the evil one right yeah, yeah. which which I was expecting like that it's role to be much larger but yeah continue sir so see before you like continue on that point like something interesting occurred to me just now that the original trilogy uh, there was uh, c3po and r2d2 which is basically in in comedy what is known as a straight guy and you know one person who does all the stupid things so you need yeah. the straight man uh, to basically show what what the other yeah. person is doing so similarly that was lucas's aim was like i'm yeah. sorry to cut you off but yeah. lucas's aim with c3po as he's called r2 was to show the movie from the lowest characters possible yeah. so that's why like i mean they're so full of comedy like i was i introduced my dad to star wars over the weekend and he was like oh i didn't know these were comedy movies <laughs> yeah cuz that's the brilliance of star wars in a way exactly and similarly um, chubaka and han solo they were another pair like this right yeah. where uh, i mean chubaka yeah. would be the straight man to han solo's yeah. doing all sorts of you know uh, things which you would normally not approve of so yeah as you were saying bb8 is a completely different kind of character who does both of these things like all by himself and one of the most wonderful things for me about star wars is the fact that how the robot seem more human than the yeah. human beings themselves you know you find a lot more emotions even when it comes to the the bad robots you know having talking about you know behavior or c3po understanding human behavior yeah. than human beings themselves so um but talking about sidekicks you know i really like the 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 those the the characters peripheral to the main story in the new saga that is the force awakens and the La- last jedi which uh, sadly i did not feel in the original um, six movies where i i really enjoyed finn's role in the last yeah. jedi yeah, i i just felt that he is um, a good um, aspect of 
the the intensity of this movie you know yeah. he just lightens the mood which is quite important and he's so focused like he's when he like sees a goal he's like he's just going for it like he doesn't care who's in his way as we we'll get to talk about in detail later on but like that guy is probably i feel in ways so much more less conflicted than both ray and kylo ren yeah and on to apart from that you saw star wars like i said going in a different direction it isn't a one dimensional story anymore about the skywalkers yeah. it is uh, you know you see a lot of new places you see a lot of things happening at the same time uh, when the original plot is unfolding and that is uh, you know such yeah, an it's worth bringing up you know the fact that this movie accomplishes so much in its two and a half hour runtime like we were surprised like when we came out of the theater we were like okay there is a lot to unpack here yeah and that too in a good way it's not like the marvel civil yeah, war movie yeah exactly way. yeah, yeah it's like, not like guardians like the two one which i had a complaint about in my review yeah. as and well and also that, not like age of ultron where like you know there are yeah, so many like people to show that there's no time yeah. the movie actually knows and thanks to i guess ryan johnson who's both the writer and the director on the movie that he's able to give meaningful moments to everyone while keeping the pace of the movie yeah i mean so much so that like the actual protagonist which is ray did not really have that much of a presence in this movie as compared yeah, to like the force awakens like, i mean i'm not sure like i saw will be able to better comment on this but ray had like probably less role than i guess luke did in empire strikes back right yeah because um in the luke empire, has a similar thing but like that whole training aspect of it yeah and also the thing is in the original trilogy that is uh, episode 4 5 and 6 was quite centered on the main plot hmm. whereas this movie wasn't uh, e- i would say even as much as the force awakens i would say the force awakens was more centered on the main plot than yeah. the last jedi is and uh, i i felt that the last jedi covered so many things but a lot of there there seems to be you know there are there are people who have seen this movie who are saying that the um you you might say there's a side quest in the in the you know middle of the movie which uh might be considered to be pointless yeah. because um i felt that despite there was so much happening uh the the things that involved the the peripheral characters did not really amount to much hmm. and maybe those parts could have been replaced by something that would contribute more to episode 9 but um i really enjoyed it because you saw a different aspect of star wars which you haven't seen before and that is something that you expect from a movie that you haven't that you you're looking forward to hmm. yeah so akil i believe you were the one who felt that like the new star wars movies are a little more bold in their approach so i think i was concurrent with saad on this that force awakens was like abrams has played it safe like yeah. he wanted to ensure that the cuz i think the reason he was safe now that i look back on it is because the of the failure of the prequel trilogy he didn't cuz lucas is bold right we know that like lucas was really bold with this trilogy it had some great ideas but the execution wasn't there which is why star wars went in a very i guess fa- in a way it was it failed in many ways right so abram played safe for that very reason to he need to ensure that star wars couldn't fail again there was no way the franchise could take two setbacks and recover from it so that way i understand what he did even though he could have made made sure that the movie did not have too many structural similarities to the new hope but he set it up in a way that the second movie could have worked which not could have worked it did work in so many better ways which is why johnson's work as sal said before is so much bolder and braver in ways that we we don't expect star wars to be and i love it for it like this was my prime complaint after the force awakens and which i wanted to write about but i never really sort of could my get my thoughts around it is that I want Star Wars to be brave because 
we look towards these big big movies to not just for like fun and action sequences which they are amazing in larger eye if you're going for that you will love love the movie for it but we want them to be bolder in new ways because now storytelling as a whole has evolved right we have like shows like breaking bad and game of thrones who have pushed storytelling in on the smaller screens so the bigger screen needs to do more than just provide like action sequences and that's why i love the last jedi because it achieves like it is in a way an indie movie on a bu- big budget scale well uh, for me i personally do not think that jj uh, abrams played it safe when it comes to the force awakens i think it was more a case of uh, since there has been such a gap between return of the jedi and the force awakens uh, and obviously the the um, mark hamill carrie fisher and uh, harrison ford uh, you were seeing them after such a uh, gap because uh, after return of the jedi you saw the the prequel trilogy um, it wasn't a matter of playing it safe in my opinion it was more about uh, introducing new characters and if you are introducing the new characters you cannot expect the audience to identify with them right from the beginning there has to be a period of um, introduction there has to be a uh, build up to those characters which obviously you see uh, a lot more of in the last jedi you see yeah. a lot more uh, you see them more refined i would say and i would personally never f- say that uh, star wars failed uh, at least in the prequels i know a lot of people didn't like it uh, but the thing is that in my opinion george george lucas went in a different direction just like how uh, disney is taking star wars now in a different direction where the original 4 5 and 6 were meant for a more mature audience and after it and since it did so well i think lucas focused uh, on children in the first three movies where you saw characters like jaja bings who i i understand that a lot of people didn't like it but they were more they were supposed to be funny you know they were supposed to be something that children would enjoy rather than you know um, a lot of suspense a lot of mature maturity in those movies yeah so uh, like the reason i did not like the first like the prequel movies the first three of them so much uh, is mostly to do with special effects like they were so bad in those movies and maybe at that time in the early 90s or whatever it would it would have been pretty good but no but the uh, fact that the original trilogy could like was able to do it without computers and exactly, then the, the yeah. human can't manage it is obviously not excusable yeah so they used computers and they used them in a really bad way yeah. so all those like really poor special effects completely ruined the movie for me i mean those three movies but then you know like i'm able to enjoy even force awakens which i did not really like that much i enjoyed it a lot more because i mean who who in their right mind would see that new um, what is that the new red color lightsaber the dark side lightsaber and say that okay this does not look cool it looked really good and the, you know partly it's also that uh, cgi and special effects have advanced so much in yeah. the last uh, 20 years or so that now even if you don't really enjoy the plot you can probably you know just go to the big screen enjoy the superb visuals which you get in these movies and all the action sequences that are created and something like the uh, bb8 droid yeah now that we're on this point i feel like people like should go for on the biggest screen possible for this movie like cuz like that just magnifies the scale like just watching all the scenes especially like okay i, I feel like at this point we need to go into spoiler no hold on I before we, you we do that okay. uh, so yeah this is the exactly the kind of movie that i would probably want to own in 4k uh, like ultra hd blu-ray Hopefully or you, you know cuz disney's yeah. a little iffy about that yeah if 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 that edition is available and watch it at on tv at home as well like if you have a large enough screen yeah. which supports 4k hdr uh, like the visuals were good enough for me for that right yeah. and uh, like i think earlier today before this podcast was recorded me and akhil were discussing the same thing which is you know which which of these movies 
movies uh, that you've seen in the recent past would you like to own uh, yeah. on a 4K print and after seeing the last jedi i am like totally convinced that this is a movie that i would want to own in in a 4K print at some point so yeah i think um, now maybe we want to go into the spoiler territory yeah i think i feel i feel like i've reached like two three points which have cut short and i'm like hmm. Okay. Unless like someone has a t- something to add, which is non-spoiler. Sad. Anything else you want to talk about? Uh, costume no, design, well, sound. No, I would, I would, I would say that um, my first impression when I saw the Last Jedi before we venture into the spoiler territory is that there is a lot to take in. You know, there's a lot to process because there is so much that happens in the movie. There is so much uh, that, I mean, for 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 me, uh, when I saw the Empire Strikes Back. obviously knowing uh, that vader is luke's father was a very big surprise spoiler. it was it was a you know it was a very very big spoiler but i think the last jedi is more of a series of twists and turns rather than one major twist i think it's a really good point yeah, yeah and that is that is something that you realize once you've seen the movie you realize that there is so much to process you know there is so much happening that it cannot exactly be um, and that is that is one of the reasons why somebody might want to own this in a 4k or because it is a quality movie you know yeah. it is something that you would want to revisit maybe when you're at home when you have actually settled down and you have the time to actually analyze what is happening in the movie is when yeah that's a fantastic point i mean i would love to watch this movie again because there was this way too much happening i mean not in a bad way in in a very good way like and that's a lot like, happening like great filmmaking is about right mm. like it makes you want to revisit it yeah. and look at it from different angles like that's what i want to do like i'm going again like thankfully for last night tomorrow and i want to and now i'm going to like look at parts i probably did not pay attention i wasn't able to pay attention because the movie is moving with so much like pace or because i had so many elements like i i now be i would be really focusing on things uh on that i might have missed about and yeah. that's like it adds to your understanding of the movie that as to your understanding of what the director is trying to convey which in this case also the writer and that as to what sort of you can expect from the future of the franchise yeah i would love to watch this on a proper imax screen um like at, <laughs> at some point in the near future because this film just like dunkirk probably yeah. deserves that kind of you know visuals and i even really enjoyed blade runner 2049 too slightly yeah. stray from the topic but anyway i think now we should venture into spoiler territory so yeah if you've not seen the movie just like stop what um stop listening right now and you know may- maybe you can come back to the podcast yeah, do after the box screech no uh, i think that would scare away anybody <laughs> who wants to listen to it so okay <laughs> So from here on we are going to be talking about the plot and revealing key details uh, of the star of Star Wars the Last Jedi the film so please stay tuned only if you have seen the movie or if you don't care about spoilers or bookmark this and come back later yeah so if you're gopal then you can listen if if not then then you probably <laughs> can't um that's our features editor you know since since you didn't know okay so everyone else as well yeah so uh, like what i've been itching to talk about uh, first and foremost is so many gaps in technology like at some point like you know you look at the uh, what is that the dreadnought you look at that and you think what a marvel of technology what an advanced ship and then you know at, at another point you see like uh, you know uh, some of these ships so many manual controls involved like <laughs> especially the rebel fighters like a person is actually hanging in space in a weird pod like thing to fire the gun i mean haven't you heard of autopilot or auto firing auto aim what is yeah, going on that would on take there? the fun out of the movie right like if there's no one like ray or han or luke sitting there and actually f- killing those ships then you just you won't have those impact and you won't ha- care about them yeah all i'm saying is that you know it doesn't have to be like so 
steam punk style where you know like actually somebody is putting the coal into the engine to move I the train type i think what they could have done better i'll get to you in a minute sad is they could have used those tropes we expect from these movies right someone has to stay behind to control the ship and yeah. blah blah and turn them around because this movie does that do that sometimes like you know remember that scene where like with ray he's like reach out and he she reaches out with her hand and he's like <laughs> what the hell are you doing you know obviously oh, you meant with your my heart sorry yeah. like so that could have been used more often like even though the movie is really funny at times and it is as like sad said before the spoiler thing as well it could have used more of that in places where it gets like too like sort of cliche in fashion i guess yeah no but i think that not having auto aim or you know autopilot just adds to the drama of the movie because the star wars it wouldn't be a good war if you just find everyone on their recliners enjoying and you know all the bots fighting yeah, with each other all the bots <laughs> fighting with with each other yeah so and they do seem to have advanced droids right and like even them like that uh, while it's yeah why don't, why don't they just make like clone bb8 make 100 of him yeah. and just put him everywhere i mean bb8 is capable of controlling an entire what is that that biped robot 80, thingy 80 yeah no. it's it's a new 8080 yeah, yeah. yeah so he is capable of doing that but then when in a rebel spaceship suddenly you notice that bb8 is actually in space like you know he goes up and he's in space there's no pressure lock there's no like you know <laughs> evac no no oxygen no concept of that like you know people can and also yeah of course who can forget uh, somebody actually goes out in space almost freezes and dies and then yeah the force pulls them back into the spaceship so a lot of hokey technology parts happening here actually i, I feel like this uh, this shows a very strange moment to show us that leia is like very capable with the force hmm. like they could have at least given us some hints in the original trilogy or force awakens that she has capabilities of this sort before jumping the shark i would say in some ways and just like going all the way and be like oh leia is amazing yeah yeah, yeah sad you were saying yeah i mean uh, when when we were talking about the the technology in in the last jedi um well the fact is they do have actually auto aim because if you uh, by any chance played the new battlefront 2 they have the last jedi dlc where you can shoot your enemies with auto aim hmm. so i'm pretty sure if you can do it on the ps4 you can do it in the movies <laughs> in the yeah. movies universe and about leia um i was as surprised as anybody else about you know the her yeah, force yeah I, i remember you like elbow poking me like what the hell is happening yeah i mean uh, obviously we all knew that she is uh, she is one of the skywalkers and by um, she does have a high medichlorian count if i need to get into yeah, that yeah medichlorian i've never like yeah. like lucas's explanation but, of that but, but yeah please i on. mean she she wasn't trained just like ray you yeah. know and that is i think something that disney has done that the characters that aren't trained as just prodigies when it comes to the force so why don't use. you guys educate me a little and tell me were there any um, like very prominent female jedi masters uh, or maybe you know female uh, sith lords or whatever uh, i think in that sense ladies. The, the star wars has been a very male centric universe yeah so south can probably comment more on yeah, that yeah i mean uh, when it comes Asoka, to i know we know have asoka tano in the uh, sorry the tv series but we haven't seen anyone in the film feature films though Well, uh, just the six movies before the Force Awakens, uh, Star Wars in the movies didn't have a central uh, female character. Uh, you would say that Padme or uh, Princess Leia were more of they played a supporting role. Yes. Yeah. But uh, in the canon, that is, uh, you can say the the Clone Wars or Star Wars Rebels, uh, you see a lot more uh, of a female presence. Um, where in the Clone Wars, you see uh, Ventress. and she's a constant uh, thorn in the in the jedi side and you know she really um, helps count dooku in 
you know causing problems to the jedi whereas uh, in the rebels you see ahsoka as a one of the main characters and uh, for those who don't know she was um, anakin skywalker's uh, apprentice during the clone wars uh, and you obviously see her eventually realize that vader is her previous master but we haven't really seen a strong female presence um, until the force awakens yeah. yeah so i believe that some of this is also down to the changing times and how Obviously, like yeah. you know in which culture which is why like, we don't see like we were discussing right we don't see any more of the whole leia nonsense hmm. which happened with empire strikes back and happened in return of the yeah. jedi as well yeah i mean basically objectification is yeah. not any not a part of the movie any, any some of regressive cliches and playing out or always forcing the female character into a relationship and not like letting her be like i loved the minute i think 10 minutes within like into force awakens when like finn grabs like ray's hand like when they're running away from like the uh, first order she like what the hell are you doing hmm. like, like, take your hand off yeah so obviously like disney is particularly aware of this yeah. uh, problem with the original star wars trilogy the six movies whatever yeah. uh, but i think you know in the current movies it it does make sense that you have more female characters playing a major part and also the fact that you know now um, i mean you know since we are into spoiler territory uh, Star Wars the second last jedi is also a female and yeah. you know not not just the last one who's who's left yeah but then that's the thing now that the, the the reason the title is so clever is because there is no second last jedi it's always the last jedi yeah. like the minute <laughs> luke disappears yeah she is the last jedi now like it's always like changing yeah, yeah. which is why it, it the title works so clever in that yeah question. it does and um, also i mean now since before before the podcast we discussed that uh, leia is going to present an interesting problem for yeah, for the did, movies is. right because carrie fisher the um, actress away last yeah, she passed away so now in in the movie she does not die leia does not die but in the next movie obviously she can't make an appearance so either they'll have to recast her which is unlikely nope yeah i don't, I don't Yeah, and there is he has ruled out a CGI thing yeah. unlike what they did with Rogue One in General Tarkin. Yeah. So maximum will we see is her back uh that she should or she like she'll have gone somewhere to do something she'll have to be off screen or she'll have to be killed which I feel like very odd. I don't think Disney's going to pull that off. Like hmm. I feel like fans will be very disappointed if one of the only major character left of the original trilogy is killed off screen or like disappeared off screen. Yeah, so I'm really not sure how they'll handle that. That's a like Yeah, which is why I guess maybe some that has to do with the way Colin Trevorrow the director original director was fired and JJ Abrams brought back. Maybe yeah. Trevorrow and his writing partners weren't able to figure that out. Yeah. And how to fit carry Fisher. Yeah. yeah, so anyway, uh, moving on to the like movie. Yeah, coming back to this movie. Yeah, yeah movie itself. Uh, really clever use of supporting characters as uh, Saad mentioned yeah. earlier. So even those uh, Ewok like tiny birds Uh, yeah whatever they are called i forget the ewoks weren't like the caretakers more like ewoks though also know. also the I ewoks i guess everyone to each his own the ewoks were uh, you know played a more prominent role than the pogs play uh, yeah you the know? pog was basically i don't know i feel the like pog it, was just comic it, relief it, man it was <laughs> comic relief they like the comic relief the only time was like basically when Chuka, chubaka is like i'll get off my Uh, uh, don't you remember that scene where Chewbacca is eating some kind of alien chicken and then you know oh, yeah. they are staring that, at him? Actually, no, that scene was really cute. Yeah, it was really funny. For I think I think that the Pogs were just there because they would make very cute soft soft toys. Yeah, yeah. even though like da- Johnson, the director, Ryan Johnson has like denied you know that he created them to like sell soft toys. I don't really buy his argument here. Yeah, like, I feel like they are like in a way set decoration because because yeah. Star Wars makes a lot of money from you know Star, Star Wars makes and merchandise. Star Wars makes only money from there. Like what they make from ticket sales is nothing. Think compared to what they make from merchandise. Yeah, I mean, have you looked at the price of the original BB-8 droid and exactly. you know like the I, lightsaber that you just got? So yeah, it's, yeah. It's, like I got a BB-8, like the one of the Sparrow one. It's like one fifty dollars. That's 
you can tell how many tickets that is yeah so yeah i mean for for indian people 150 dollars is how much exactly. 10000 rupees right yeah, yeah that's insane anyway so getting out of the movie again because we he keep like somehow yeah, getting sorry. content and then <laughs> this is my fault uh that's okay like everyone's doing i did it yeah. last time so now that we're in spoiler ready we can talk about the, the story and so what do you think about the story well um i mean before just uh for for a minute but before we venture into the story i would say that uh the strong female presence that you see in the the new trilogy uh is also because of the change in ownership because um when star wars was under with with john lucas you know um and his drafts of what episode 7 8 or 9 would have been did not involve a character uh, like ray a, mm. a woman who you know it was i think the new trilogy is quite influenced by what disney wants to push out and uh, that's that is something that comes across in the new movies that you see uh for me when it comes to the plot um as a uh, somebody who would describe themselves to be um, a star wars purist to some extent that i understand the essence of star wars since that this is something that i've grown up with um uh, the new trilogy especially the last jedi is something that moves in a completely new direction and for somebody uh, like me it is quite a lot to take in because it is maybe like seeing some somebody who's very close to you doing something so different from what they usually are yeah. and that is what i felt with the last jedi including the plot i i felt that um this is something that i would never have expected star wars to go into the direction that the last jedi went but what in particular bothers you so much like if you can maybe try and give certain examples and say that okay this could not have happened in the original movies um for me at i saw um the use of the force for instance a lot more in the original 6 movies as compared to um the force awakens or the last jedi uh, i mean i i see the force being used uh, very differently in the new movies as compared to what it has been used originally um i had a different uh, view of how luke would have been uh, and i think mark hamill said it in an interview yeah, that he, he fundamentally disagreed with everything that his character was which was one of my criticisms of the the force awakens as well that i could have never imagined luke skywalker to abandon all his friends because of some uh, tragedy that has happened in his life and i don't think the luke skywalker that i knew uh, would have ever allowed han solo to die and not cared about it when he comes to know in the last jedi and also do you feel that he gave up the force a bit too easily and closed himself off like you know luke is a kind of guy like you know literally the title of the first movie is a new hope right so he is a kind of guy who brings a lot of positivity and optimism with him so if he saw a lot of darkness in in his student he should have been ideally putting like doubling down on his efforts to try and make sure that he doesn't slip to the dark side instead of trying to kill him right well ap- even apart from that um, as per how the timeline should have been under lucas uh, at this moment um, luke skywalker is a god like figure he is so powerful with the force that you have never seen a character like that uh, which um, i was a little um, sad about that i did not see as much of luke as i would have liked in the last jedi when it comes to him and his capabilities with the force for i i saw a flawed and broken man in in the last jedi which um, which probably served in its own right but yeah, yeah so i think what I actually find that in a way almost opposite. Like I actually like that Last Jedi is about deconstructing a hero, which is what he talks about, right? At a very pivotal moment in the Last Jedi, 
Luke gives a lecture to Ray about being a legend. You know how being a legend sort of played a part in Ben Solo becoming Kylo Ren in his failure and what he fails to learn even after I think at some moment in his life he actually believed the stories himself. He actually believed that he had become this legend, which is why he failed. Like that's why even at his age there are lessons left for him to learn. Which is why that moment with the Yoda where he sits and Yoda tells him the best way to learn is from failures. So much resonated with me because the movie is about showing that you know that you never stop learning one, and that never make your heroes more than what they are to be. Like no one is infallible, and when you start believing your own like history, then you obviously you'll you'll fall from that height. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, for me it wasn't. I I did I did not feel that I uh, that it was Luke Skywalker's fault of how um, Ben Solo turned into Kylo Ren. I think uh, Ben Solo always had that darkness in him, which maybe you would say how Anakin Skywalker was in Attack of the Clones and how he turned to Vader in Revenge of the Sith. Uh, I do not personally feel that it was failure on Luke's part. as much as um maybe ben solo's destiny of becoming kylo ren also my uh, something that i did not understand is kylo ren's character in the sense that um in the force awakens you see somebody who you you might consider him to be like an emo you know a uh, force user but you explore him so much more in the last jedi but he just seems uh, there are more questions for me now than there were in the force awakens So yeah so like from what you both have said like it seems to me that there is a bit of a disconnect here simply because um that Luke's journey into becoming that broken yeah. hero like that has been skipped because of the time gap between the um, Yeah because there's a 30 year time gap between Return of the Jedi and the Force Awakens. Yeah, yeah so like they had to show that in maybe what a 15 minute segment yeah. in the movie so maybe that is why it's a little hard to believe how he became a shadow of his former self No it is it uh, it is not just and actually they, the movie actually deconstructs that you know the point you were making about uh, that he failed kylo ren he didn't uh, he actually didn't fail kylo ren is that the movie actually deconstructs that because that's what you both ray and yura tell him right that you it's not your failure it's ray as you said uh, it was kylo ren's destiny and he see, takes it personally even though he should be learning from that what he did partly wrong but that it was not in any way near his failure which pushed him over the edge no i can understand uh, that luke is guilty about his nephew turning to the dark side yeah. and causing so much damage you know to everything that the the new republic has built and his contribution for the first order i can understand that but the th- what i cannot understand is that i luke skywalker's character was fundamentally the kind who would not allow his friends to die while he can watch and that is why he doesn't turn to the dark side in return of the jedi when he is with darth sidious and uh, vader and he sees the rebel spaceships being destroyed by the empire and um, he refuses to turn to the dark side because he wants to save his friends but we did not see that in the new hope or uh, sorry in the in the force awakens or in the last jedi where he's he seems so reluctant to join the fight i mean i can understand somebody has faced a tragedy but that i cannot understand somebody with so much power neglecting or allowing people to suffer around him when he can make a difference 
that is not what yeah so perhaps um, partly i mean i know i'm playing the devil's advocate here but partly that could be explained by the fact that when uh, luke skywalker became the master jedi trainer or whatever at that point there was no other there were no other jedi to guide him or maybe to put him on track whereas if you look at uh, the uh, previous movies uh, when yoda was training his uh, like oh, i forgot the name of the jedi under him but anyway when yoda was training yeah when yoda was training uh, obi-wan like obviously yoda is far more wise and mature than anyone anyone else you can expect then obi-wan when he he's training um, anakin uh, at that point like you see that you know he has yoda's wisdom to bank upon whenever he is you know getting impatient so similarly luke maybe missed that because the jedi were pr- practically decimated and you know that uh, he did not have the same maturity or the wisdom of another person to lean on actually you know the thing is that the jedi are more uh, insensitive to the uh, to the sufferings of the universe than what we saw luke as because there is a scene in uh, revenge of the sith where anakin asks for yoda's wisdom when uh, he's getting premonitions in his dreams about somebody close to him suffering and he asks yoda what should i do and yoda says that ignore it to put it in very simple terms he says let go of everything that you fear to lose which is fundamentally what the jedi think whereas luke skywalker was never that he ignores yoda and obi-wan in empire strikes back and he leaves his training midway when he was in dagobah to save his friends that is what luke skywalker is you no, see I think that what also what like the these these neutrology or at least the last jedi the, po- the point it's trying to make is that people change over time even the heroes that we know even the character we've known from the past he has he's probably what 30 back then he's at, he's at, he's doubled his lifespan since then cuz 30 years have passed between then he's he's 60 year old man in these movies in the last jedi and that has had those years and the years he spent by himself have had a such a heavy impact that it's a he's he reached a point where he could not or did not want to get get up and sort of save the world again yeah i i and that's that's the whole like talk about that right he's he also feels that the jedi have meddled too much in world affairs like he brings up that point a lot, lot in the last jedi and that he believes that so much he's in so much denial of the fact that he could help if he helps ray or if he helps someone who sees the good in him and who sees the good in the world that he could sort of reverse thing that he would rather seclude himself from the world and let the world be by himself and or instead of participating in it yeah i completely agree with what you're saying because that is exactly what ryan johnson wanted to show yeah. in the movie he wanted to show a a hero who is not willing to participate in the events of the galaxy because he is so broken because he realizes that there are such evident flaws in the philosophy yeah. that he has believed in for so long but what i was talking about was the character himself because you saw luke after so many years in mm. in the force awakens and for for any star wars fan who has seen luke in the previous star wars movies you would relate to the hero you knew right rather than the hero you 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 know you explore in the in these new movies and then you realize that you can, cannot connect up the hero that you knew to the hero that you see now and that is something that i felt a little um disconnected with i could not identify with luke skywalker as the same uh guy who defeats uh vader who confronts his own father because mm. of what he is doing who would not confront the evil in the galaxy that exists now despite having so much of 
power yeah you know and with with his friends with his family with their backs against the walls and he is allowing it to happen because he realizes that he is a flawed human being or he thinks that he has made a mistake in in his apprentice or his failure with the jedi so yeah so i'm going to take like a slightly maybe contrarian position to what most people feel here um when it comes to like the characters since you're speaking about them so you've spoken about luke a lot we've also spoken about kylo ren a lot but the protagonist is actually ray yeah. right technically but i feel Although that like i think uh, sorry to cut you off but like both lucas film actually roy johnson have said that uh this see the protagonist actually kylo ren and ray as two halves of the protagonist and yeah. continue yeah so uh, like i feel that ray is the weakest character among the lot here like whoever is gets you know a lot of screen time in this movie simply because if you see kylo ren he is so conflicted he goes from like you know doing something good yeah. to bad so you get to see both sides of of of, yeah, uh, of like the character layers to him yeah but if you look at ray like she is this whiter than white character who can do no wrong hmm. and the only wrong she does is probably you know just like an innocent mistake as opposed to something that's uh, deliberately yeah. hurting somebody or something so that's why i feel that you know she's maybe the weakest character even though i'm very happy to see a female protagonist i would ideally have loved to see more sides more layers to her her making some mistakes doing something wrong and then learning from that yeah. instead of just you know knowing that okay no i must reach out to kylo ren and i must make him turn and just doing what feels right i think you're right on most extents although i feel the scenes are so important that those the scenes you know where kylo ren and rey can talk to each other and they connect in the movie even b- despite being in different places were so crucial to the movie like imagine if those scenes were taken out like rey would have developed nothing in this movie yep those scenes are crucial to that dy- dynamic and they allow the, both characters to develop in ways that the first movie never achieved and that is very crucial to it at the same time yes rey is an underdeveloped character and which is why i feel in this extent which is why it's so important for star wars to bring on not just female characters in front of the camera but female female character not female characters females behind the camera we need female writers or a female director who we know as we've seen this year how when a female director is brought to a big franchise as patty jenkins with wonder woman can bring so much more to the franchise yeah so i mean sad your thoughts on ray well um i thought that I mean personally I do not um, like Rey's character as much as um, I should uh, because I love Star Wars so much but um, I preferred the the Sith and the Jedi when you know they're two uh, opposites of the force you know one is light and one is dark but also throughout the Star Wars saga we have seen the the heroes being flawed where Luke goes into the the cave and they go by and he confronts Vader and when he um you know um he his mask comes off and he sees himself that is the darkness in him and he fails in the cave you know because of his impulsiveness because of his aggression and that is exactly what you see in Anakin Skywalker you know in attack of the clones in revenge of the sith where he makes fundamental mistakes because he's a human being you know whereas ray is too white like you said you know she cannot make any mistakes you know she doesn't have any kind of impulse she doesn't have any um and with with kylo ren it's just that i cannot pos- to i mean to to put it very frankly i cannot take him very seriously you know i um uh, especially because since he wants to be like vader i do not see anything about him which is vader like even in the force awakens you know he seems to be somebody who's too flawed to be like vader 
despite the fact that Vader had a conflict in him, he was too dark to to be considered to be somebody who can who you can possibly imagine turning to the good side. Yeah, so Vader was menacing, which Kylo Ren is not. Uh, Vader was also cold, calculating, ruthless, and ruthless, which Kylo Ren again is not. He's so impulsive, so emotional, so many crucial decisions in the movie. He makes it with like so much anger that it like reduces his effectiveness as as a strategist. I think where these comparisons go wrong is that the re- obviously the, the comparisons are easy because he's making it easy. The directors are making it easy because they're literally placing the helmet in front of us and he's saying, I will finish what you started. Okay, so it's, that makes it very easy for to make a direct comparison. He's wearing a dark robe, he's wearing a mask and helmet and all that jazz. But I think we should be saying Kylo Ren and comparing him to Anakin from the prequel trilogy. This is where he's, he's da- on that journey right now. He's a f- flawed person trying to become the person he wants and he's not sure the path he wants to take, which is why... Now that I've seen The Last Jedi, I understand Kylo Ren so much more. And the first movie, I was not able to understand him. I did accept some of the criticisms of people, you know, lobbying at him of being like an emo villain who was, who had no powers and who was bested by a girl who picked up a, a Jedi for the, uh, not a Jedi, sorry, a lightsaber for the first time in her life. But now that I've seen The Last Jedi, I understand why that conflict and why that, how he's kind of driven that and how is that's pushing him in so many more, much more directions. And which is why that scene where, uh, he takes out Snoke, but they still have that conflict after the uh, Praetorian Guards, are they called? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they, after they kill all the Praetorian Guards, is because that shows the duality, not the duality, it's also like, also like it's more than duality. There are so many layers to these characters. Even though they are on the same page on some, some things, they're not on the page on something. So these characters are developing to an aspect, which, and the reason I brought this up is because Vader is a formed character. There's, the Vader doesn't have the same range which Kylo Ren or Anakin Skywalker had. Yeah, so like uh, just to like add to that one point, I did not really understand why those Praetorian guards or whatever like why why did they turn on uh, uh, turn on Kylo Ren after that? Like ideally, like once their lord is dead, they should have just like directly assumed that this guy is the new lord and start serving him, right? Yeah, but they probably feared for their own safety, like because no, Ky- I- Kylo Ren doesn't have like key favorites, right? I don't think that the guards were. Uh, had allegiance to the First Order, but they had allegiance to Snoke. Snoke first, yeah. So they were Snoke's bodyguards. They weren't, and it wasn't assumed that simply because of what happened to Snoke in The Last Jedi that um, Kylo Ren is by default the new Supreme Leader. Yeah, which leader. is why we see the conflict with General Hux as well, right? And uh, talking about the, the characters of Anakin Skywalker and um, Kylo Ren, uh, I felt that you see Anakin's journey towards the dark side you see the reasons why he turns you see the the progression in the from the boy that you see in the phantom menace to uh the super the the powerful uh newly turned vader in revenge of the sith whereas um you do not see that with kylo ren you and you see that kind of ruthlessness in anakin skywalker even in attack of the clones where he murders those sand people you know but with Kylo Ren, I just feel that he doesn't know what he's doing. He's just somebody with a lot of power who is just doing as he wishes with no order, with no structure. And that is, I don't know whether whether that's intentional uh, or whether it is just something that he has turned out to be from the conflicting ideas of the different directors, you know? Yeah, so he seems like a very incompetent uh, master villain of the 
uh, franchise that so many points in the last jedi like if if uh, you just look at the last scene where he's basically battling the illusion <laughs> of luke skywalker like come on man you're so strong with the force like you're probably the strongest villain in the galaxy now and you don't realize that it's an illusion in yeah, front the of fact, you like he, he shouldn't have to come down to like figure that out he should have figured out the moment when they fired i'm not not sure 200 blasters at him yeah, and, and nothing happened so much overkill right i mean if you hate him so much why don't you just take him down directly like you're so much stronger than he is at this point yeah. with, with the force so like you know th- all those scenes made me feel that this guy is just way too immature for as you said for me to take him like very seriously, seriously. as as a as a big villain in this series also that can be a little detrimental to for a fan to look forward to episode 9 hmm. because you think when you see the force awaken that okay there is supreme leader snoke you know and he is the super powerful bad guy yeah. you know who is in control of kylo ren but if you seen the last jedi and you realize that now it's only kylo ren who has to be dealt with Although, like, i find that better like i would rather have you know a incompetent gray villain than a master villain who we like doesn't really do anything like i i would i prefer characters to be, my characters to be gray than to just to be like absolute power or absolute okay, like white okay so point taken but um i fear that the next movie will probably not be as good as the last jedi it'll probably only go downhill from here simply because of ray as a protagonist they just did not develop her at all so you know in the final movie in a trilogy you cannot expect the lead character to be making mistakes and learning along the way i think you know in a trilogy that's what happens right the character starts at a slightly low point goes even lower and then finally learns from the mistake and emerges at a higher point like that's yeah. that's how you'd expect it right so from here on Uh, Ray was really flat in this movie and she was I mean she didn't develop that much in Force Awakens either right so mm-hmm. like if you look at Ray's ca- character arc it's pretty flat throughout and from here on she can only go up she they can't throw her down from here because you know this is your protagonist yeah. Kylo Ren has has had his ups and downs but you know he's proven to be a bit too um, immature to be taken seriously so that that leaves us with what like a fight between an immature angry person and one who can do no wrong I I don't find myself like looking forward to that particularly. Yeah, so talking about Star Wars on the whole, uh the saga is such that it's a space opera, you know, and you see you've always seen really good music, you know, uh excellent storytelling. Ideally that is how it should be, which was some of the criticism of the prequels that you know the storytelling, the dialogues weren't as I mean it wasn't very appealing to a lot of people. Um I would have to watch the last Jedi again to really uh look at the the music in the background. I was so engrossed in what is happening in the movie that I did not see uh John Williams's work or um you know stuff like that. But I felt that as a story it although there was a lot happening um uh, simultaneously and it was a very engrossing movie. Um as a story I just felt that it seemed a little disconnected in the sense that the uh, you did not see the progression as as you would have liked it to be where ray just out of the blue just decides to go into the uh, enemy spaceship you know and with with nothing with no plan with with absolutely no um you know nothing to to drive her except the fact that she has been communicating with kylo ren this is right Yeah, but this, that is that is in a way that's borrowed. Like people were afraid that Last Jedi would sometimes, you know, structured around along Empire Strikes Back because the first previous one was structured with his predecessor. 
but in that fashion the ray scene going to get kylo and to this side is actually return of the jedi right because that's what luke does luke is hoping he can go to the emperor and he's hoping actually his dad won't take him to the emperor and he can convert him which is exactly what she's hoping she's coming to kylo and not expecting to see snow expecting to see him and that the scene almost unfolds same until the point that like kylo ren becomes a much more active thing than darth vader yeah but the difference being that um vader was luke's father and fundamental to luke's jedi training was that in order to become a jedi knight he would have to confront vader and fu- finish his training and being that being his father he had reason enough to go there and speak to his father whereas ray does not have that kind of connection with kylo ren yeah but that's what they build up in the first half of the movie right that's why we get so many scenes of them talking to each other despite being on different corners of the universe yeah the galaxy i mean now that we are talking about spoilers that would have never happened if snoke wouldn't have intended it to be yeah. it wasn't a connection because they wanted to communicate but it was a connection because snoke wanted them to communicate and that makes all the difference because vader communicated with luke in empire strikes back because he was his father yeah. you know even with the force and luke wanting to go and redeem his father was as you would say a son wanting his father to be the good guy that he was whereas right. Ray has not grown up with Ben Solo or she does not have that kind of connection with Ben Solo to feel so strongly about him turning to the good side whereas Luke Skywalker has all the reason to because that being his nephew who turned to the dark side under his training has already given up on Kylo Ren whereas Ray hasn't I think the what the I think the the point the the new trilogy is trying to make uh, versus the old trilogy which we discussed while on the way here is that the old trilogy was about one family right it was about the skywalkers we only track them which is why everyone communicates with each other which is the and the pull is much easier right it was that's the old kind of storytelling where the pull is easier because as you said son father better like uh, tugs and everything better dynamics but what the new trilogy is doing is is talking about that what happens with people who do not have a family it's talking about the family sort of sort of the adopted family not the family you have from the birth but the family you make along you, as you go about your life and that's what the here she is right because she is brought up as an orphan on jakku brought up by herself never uh, brought up as a scavenger on jakku she didn't have anyone to depend on ever which is why she looks towards luke which is why when luke gives up on on her she looks towards kylo ren and that's why she's going to kylo ren she's making the desperate move to go into his headquarters because she's looking for someone as she said to show to, me my place in all this yeah um so like i think there are two or three things which i would just quickly like to point out mm. before we wrap up this uh, segment of the podcast uh, first is that you know another point since you mentioned um, the female characters bit a little earlier uh, what was the name of that admiral who takes over after lia is in capacity holdo ha so holdo i thought was a very good character completely wasted in this yeah. movie simply because you need somebody to pilot the ship in in an age yeah, where it's, like it's so annoying so like yeah. that character is was supposedly introduced in a as disney does right they they do like comic things or like short filmies before the main movie and try to introduce a new cast and they supposedly i think amir holdo is supposed to be the first like some lgbtq character or something over the universe or something hmm. like, like that 
yeah so i was really sad to see that you know like first of all this poor dameron that idiot his uh, like he kept thinking that you know she had no plan she had no yeah. plan but turns out that she actually had a very good plan even if that mineral planet just randomly appeared in the background just like so many other things in this no, movie or maybe that was her plan you know maybe she yeah. knew that if the ship continued at this pace then we would make it to crate yeah so creative liberty give yeah, granted creative. but not granted when she has to stay back to pilot the ship yeah. that's that's just like stupid which in, they could have easily gotten around this yeah. talk about they could have easily gotten around by just saying i'm staying back because i'm sacrificing myself yeah or something like that i was staying back to pilot the ship in an age where like you can fly between planets at light speed. Why can't the ship just fly in the same direction it's flying and you leave? Like, yeah, something like that, right? So like that. Because they had no idea that the, some character would give them up back on the dreadnought, and yeah. then they would have to magically save themselves. Exactly. So anyway, that was a character wasted. Yeah. Uh, a very bad point for this uh, movie. And I was also thinking about like uh, so many minor things here and there. For example. Uh, how like if you remember like there was that fight between that phasma person and uh, finn yeah, yeah. yeah so he just falls over the edge and then yeah. suddenly he comes back from yeah, there yeah so those like cinematic yeah. flourishes like they like movies love right yeah so the, i thought that you know they could have maybe like um, obviously avoided um, some of those things and like given an actual test of skill instead of this luck based yeah. thing you know where somebody distracts you and then you get killed whereas this fast it always have to be one on one right the fact is they are they have numerical advantage hmm. they have and you have rose tico and finn you like develop their the, you're already developing their friendship and relationship so develop their teamwork as well there yeah. which is what like that was the, that's why the scene is amazing with uh, getting off point but that's why the scene with carlo and ray is so amazing because they're using their teamwork and that scene provides creativity for the lightsaber move without digressing any further another big plot hole for me was that uh, it always seems like this first order empire whatever it is uh, it has maybe what 10 ships 15 ships here and there and the resistance which is on the brink of collapse somehow seems to have three or four or five ships yeah. so if that first order is so powerful is ruling the entire galaxy they could easily call an yeah. entire fleet of dreadnoughts well. right yeah, they could have just like called another ship from like the front and like confronted them from there yeah they could have blocked them off and killed them off and why do they have to like you know land so far away and drag these dreadnoughts and all those uh, big monster robot thingies from so far away they can land right in front of that hideout as well like with their advanced technology mm. so so many things like you know you obviously have to grant them some create creative liberty and cinematic flourishes yeah, because like basically the writer needs that time right he <laughs> uses that time the dreadnought is chasing that cruiser to make up the entire movie Yeah, like I, I feel like the entire movie probably took like in one or two nights. Yeah, considering they just chasing them for like twelve hours. Yeah. Also, uh, when it comes to the space battles, um, I I personally felt that uh, the space battles that we have seen previously in the other Star Wars movies were um so much more interesting for me. You know, they were more gripping. There was a lot more happening. Whereas, uh, in the Last Jedi, it was more of a waiting game. you know where uh, when the fuel runs out then we'll be able to destroy yeah except for uh, the first battle where like yeah, poe dameron goes was, on this i, w- I good, would say yeah. no i would say that the new uh, the new movies have very uh, beautiful space battles yeah. you know they are visually incredible but obviously that's because it's being shot now you know and not in 1977 but from a plot's perspective i preferred the space battles that were done in maybe episode 4 or empire strikes back or you know uh, the other movies or even even in the phantom menace you know although like uh, the f- fact about land battles i like the new ones more because stormtroopers missing everything is a lot less now yeah i was really annoyed by that like, i just watched the new old original trilogy like in the past 4 5 days and i was like 
can one stormtrooper get their shot right yeah it's almost like you know this boba fett person was really bad at aiming and every one of those clones that you know they they're not clones right? like actually no they all of them are clones yeah the yeah. new ones aren't clones yeah those are clones but like why did you why did you clone someone who was so bad at aiming exactly you find somebody with better legs no the, like, the the, the stormtroopers aren't clones the clone troopers are, are clones and once the empire was formed they stopped using the clones and the, then they had the stormtroopers so the stormtroopers in the original trilogy aren't clones no they are not they are, they are human beings everyone yeah, have the same the, height but in the prequels they are clones right so in the original yeah. trilogy they aren't so the, yeah. the clones are actually really good you know they are, right. they, are they single handedly you know kill mm-hmm. so many jedi okay. in the temple but after the empire is formed then they have the stormtroopers that yeah. are human beings mm-hmm. and they are recruits not somebody like finn who you know was From bred birth, yeah. you know and as a as a Yeah, so anyway, I'm glad sort. that the new stormtroopers with the first order don't don't at least don't have scenes where they keep missing, and then one person comes hero and shoots one, and everyone like. But yeah. I think I think that that was a good aspect of the original because that became a little comical, <laughs> because simply because there were more stormtroopers than the people like, fighting them. Yeah, but are you gonna vote for Ewoks coming back now? No, ob- <laughs> obviously not. But uh, but they also, are back, aren't they? Like no, those chaoticers. <laughs> Pogs oh. are are Ewoks in my opinion. Also, I, mean, like, I was I, I was a, I was a bit disappointed with the lightsaber battles of the Last Jedi. Yeah. Um, I I am somebody who really looks forward to the last the lightsaber battles in Star Wars movies. Obviously, apart from the one in the New Hope, I think the Empire Strikes Back lightsaber battle was less about the. Did we acro- even get one like face like actual exactly. face to face? Exactly. That is that is exactly what I mean. The the lightsaber battle that you see in Empire Strikes Back, for instance, is a fight between. uh the he, no, the new hero and you know the villain who yeah. is who we discover is the father yeah, it's one of the most so iconic more, scenes more than the acrobatics it was about the tension between the two mm. whereas in return of the jedi you see um you know the father and the son fighting against each other you know son fighting for his father's salvation whereas the father fighting because he wants to turn his son to the dark side i think phantom menace was one of the best lightsaber battles in the series okay oh, the attack of the clones did not have a very good one um but revenge of the sith obviously has the epic star yeah, wars fight between obi wan and anakin but i have not really seen a very good lightsaber battle in force awakens and the last jedi which you mean was you did not enjoy that illusion battle no i i i did not because <laughs> i was it was more about who the the two people who are fighting than the the fight itself so yeah and, so, they, and they do mislead us right because when the first time he arrives after all the blasters have been fired Uh, I see. Like I obviously, there was intentional. They wanted us to see that Luke is studying the ground. Like he's studying the ground as if he's actually there, but he's not there. So he doesn't need to study the ground. He doesn't need to study that the crate is made of salt, and then he needs to like place his footing and how his footing is moving because he doesn't really care. Like, I mean, yeah, he could have been hurt like thousand times and he would never be hurt. Yeah, exactly. And I, it's also about time that the light side gets a lightsaber that looks as cool as the dark side's one. <laughs> the new one with that cross design is is really really cool. And I I really hope that you know. I it, think I think Kylo Ren's lightsaber is a good reflection of him as a character because he is not a very refined character. He is. you know he has his yeah, rough I edges the he has colorens like sputters which his yeah, lightsaber does uh, i mean it 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 shook it is a good uh, reflection of his personality that he's the, not the, the he's energy. not sure of what he's doing he just has the power but the power is being used in multiple ways serving no real purpose as such because you see him at one moment serving snoke and 
the other moment you know doing exactly the opposite so although the, the okay we we just like said you know we didn't have an, enough like lightsaber scenes but the one we did get like the one big kylo ren and ray one like not fighting each other mostly they were always just doing the force thingy but the one before they they fight the pitarin guards was like, i really enjoyed that part one especially the small one touches you know where like ray cuz like they aren't as powerful as the pitarin guards but they are clever they are smarter than them and that's why they're using the small things as you know ray understanding she can switch her hands or throwing it to each each other like that was a really good flourish that made it like a lot enjoying for me but i think it was enjoyable simply because of the twist in the plot where you did not expect kylo ren to do what he does and then to the events to be, be as they are rather than the acrobatics or the the moves that you know or the choreography of the the fight itself yeah but yeah. everything contributes to the scene right overall yeah so i didn't even understand how that one person with a chain like thing um like that person penetrates a lightsaber with that steel thing and like pulls uh, ray towards him that i didn't understand how that works well, i thought this laser is supposed to be impenetrable no no the the galaxy has a lot of things that that can fight a lightsaber as such uh you you see that in revenge of the sith where uh, general grievous's bodyguards have the a staff of some sort which can fight against lightsaber you know so the lightsaber is not uh, you know it's not something all magical that, thing yeah, yeah it's not it's not all magical it is just a kyber crystal which is focused into an energy you know and the jedi use it effectively because they use the force yeah you know so that is how a lightsaber works and the um, the guards use a variety of weapons to counter a yeah. weapon like the lightsaber so yeah we'll be back after a short break and talk about a bunch of games so stay tuned if you care about gaming more than pop culture We hope you didn't get bored during all that Star Wars discussion and after that tiny little break we are back with the gaming segment of transition. So game editor Rishi Alwani is here. Wait, so Luke Skywalker does die at the end, right? For uh, <laughs> 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 friend of the podcast Mikhail Madnani is here too. I forgot there was a new Star Wars movie showing up like I kind of should have guessed that with Battlefront 2 but <laughs> yeah but where's Jar Jar Binks in my Star Wars you know some Star Wars You need Jar to buy Jar. Battlefield 2 Battlefront 2 premium like I don't even know what I'm saying anymore yeah. so yeah so yeah million different echo stars from one day to the next anyway so on to the cool part of the Hold podcast on i am your host pranay parab even though oh, i introduced yeah. myself before yeah so top today, that is the cool part of the podcast exactly i was just going to get to that yeah yeah thanks i mean you know such flattery much wow anyway so today on in the gaming segment of transition we are going to be talking about the game awards 2017 playstation experience monster hunter world beta App Store, the iOS App Store, launching a new feature, which is not exactly new. Hearthstone's expansion and some controversy around used games being available on something called Games the Shop. And we'll also talk about our favorite game of the year, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, and some rumors around Battlefield Bad Company Three. It's not a game; it's a battle royale. But anyway, so the Game Awards happened last week, and uh, well, well, a bunch of games won awards, as the name would suggest. But what is interesting was the Game Awards should just be renamed to each to the to the Death Stranding Fest because for those of you who are unaware, Death Stranding is the next game from Metal Gear Solid creator Hideo Kojima, and uh, it's being and he since he's left uh, Konami, it's what he's been working on. It's being published by Sony and it's running uh, the Decima engine from Sony's uh, studio Guerrilla Games. Guerrilla Games have also been known for Horizon Zero Dawn and. the most underrated classic of all time killzone 
So uh, they had a new trailer. It was bizarre. It made no sense. It had babies turning into black ink, and it had invisible giant extraterrestrials, and it had uh, some people dying, and it had Norman Reedus and all of that too. And yeah, no one has any idea what's going on as usual because uh, the trailer for Death Stranding makes as much sense as Kojima's trailers for his past games, which is to say they never make sense anyway. So that happened. Uh, and uh, what's what, what is funny though is that it's reached a point where we've had uh, several people in uh, s- several uh, retailers wondering what's Death Stranding about, and they're calling up furiously trying to figure out when the game is coming out. And uh, yeah, for anyone else also wondering, well, there's no don't expect a release date. It's a game from Kojima, expected to be delayed a couple of times. I was uh, in our piece about Death Stranding. Uh, I was tempted to have the headline as uh, first trailer for PlayStation Six exclusive seen at Game Awards 2017 because it is going to be delayed. Or a game that's going to be leaving you stranding all the time. Yeah, that too. So, but then, uh, I mean, honestly, it's it's just, it's a trailer, it's a thing. And then, but what was amusing though, was uh, uh, a couple of days later at PlayStation Experience, one of the rare slivers of news from Sony's fan event that actually made sense was the fact that Kojima mentioned that the trailer was running in real time and was com- and is completely playable on a PlayStation 4 Pro. So, I mean, who knows? Maybe they're further ahead of development than we think. But uh, that's Yeah, but in that. general, like, thumb rule of the gaming industry is that if you see a trailer, don't get excited. Exactly. Yeah, because when Uncharted 4 was revealed initially and they showed all these forehead textures and all that stuff and they said, oh, this is running on the base play. Like, at that time, there was only one PlayStation. This is running on the PS4 in real time in engine and all that. Yeah, the final game wasn't 1080-60 and it didn't look as good. Yeah, so I mean, and we it looked really good. Like, let's whatever. Let's we're not kidding ourselves with that. But it didn't look as good as the original reveal. Yeah, and the same. And we've seen this in the past, right? We've seen this with Watch Dogs. We've seen this with The Division. We saw it with The Witcher Three, which was hilarious. Yeah, uh, I remember when CD Projekt Red could do no wrong at the time. So yeah. Yeah, so I mean that that's something to keep in mind. It's I think the game, but there were some other cool announcements from the Game Awards. We saw Soul Calibur Six being announced, uh, which is well the next entry in the long-running fighting game series that actually lets you use. Sticks and swords and calibers. So you mean like mo- one of the Mortal Kombat games in the middle? Yeah, exactly. But yeah, Soul Calibur 6 was announced for PS4, Xbox One and PC. It's running on Unreal Engine 4. Uh, Harada came on stage and announced it. And Who's Harada? The, the guy who created Tekken. So, oh, so why is he announcing Soul Calibur? I have no idea. Because worlds collide. So uh, he... Uh, they did show it off and apparently the story is like a quote-unquote it has some reboot or it retells some story elements from the first game or something like that. It's going to be out in the first half of 2018, I believe. Uh, it was rumored to come to the Switch, but that's obviously not happening right now. or They just didn't say anything about it. But uh, but yeah, the, the good thing about the Death Stranding trailer was for those of us who had to like write news about the event, that was the best time to take a break because like there was almost nothing to write about with that. But uh, yeah... Other than that, uh, Reggie Philzame came on stage, talked to Jeff Keighley, and uh, Jeff Keighley actually unveiled Bayonetta 1 and 2 for the Nintendo Switch, which is arriving in a collection in February. And uh, they announced Bayonetta 3, which is a Nintendo Switch exclusive. So Just yeah. like Bayonetta 2 was a Nintendo Wii U exclusive, which is now coming to Switch. Yeah, so like for those of you who are unaware, Reggie Philzame is the Nintendo America boss and Jeff Keighley is the host for the Game Awards. Thank you. And uh, yeah, I kind of figured that, man. I always got you back. So uh, they, so they basically talked about... So for those... And Bayonetta is, uh, well, in a lot of ways, and I'm probably going to get a lot of angry people after my life after this one. 
nothing new at this stage uh is bayonetta is essentially the spiritual successor to devil may cry uh devil may cry is an is a hack and slash action game that uh, gained notori- notoriety and popularity on the original playstation on the playstation 2 and it was uh, created by hideki kamiya uh who at that time was working at capcom uh so after he created devil may cry he created okami and i think uh, and a couple of other games he moved on to start his own studio called uh, platinum games and their debut title was bayonetta which was incidentally at that time an xbox 360 exclusive until their publisher sega said hey no we're getting a team to port it to the ps3 as well uh and the game did did okay didn't didn't meet sega's expectations but did okay um and uh, sega wanted to continue making bayonetta games but it had to see they had to they had to get another publishing partner involved no actually so, they didn't want to and nintendo approached yeah. them basically because sega was at the time done with bayonetta nintendo funded it and published it as well yeah. uh it's like a bayonetta 2 at least is co-owned between both nintendo and the sega yeah. and it was a wii u exclusive and uh, a lot of playstation and xbox fans lost their shit at the time when this was announced uh bayonetta 2 like re- was reviewed brilliantly it was on tons of game of the year lists it came out in 2014 i believe yeah it was even on our game of the year list at the yeah. time it was that good and so uh, it, it it did really well but and it was bundled bayonetta 1 was bundled with it in early copies so everyone got excited because both games on a single platform uh bayonetta 1 eventually got ported to steam earlier this year and it was really cheap i think it was like 20 dollars and it sold really well uh now bayonetta 1 and 2 are coming together to the switch in a collection with the first one being digital and the second one being physical in february on the 16th in north america and europe and bayonetta 3 the trailer wasn't even gameplay it was just a cg trailer but we just know it's in development exclusively for the switch and what's interesting though is that no one knows if it's going to be directed by deki kamiya or not the second game wasn't directed by him because he was working on scalebound which well got cancelled and uh, so yeah but it's looking to be promising simply because platinum games have a track record of well if it's a game on their own ip they usually tend to do a very good job with it yeah i think the only times they've made bad games are when they've worked on some licensed stuff for activision like legend of korra which was pretty trash uh even transformers devastation was really good but then the tmnt game again seemed yeah. really low budget and then you have other games which uh, like vanquish which aren't that great <clears throat> what 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 so, you repeat that uh you 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 forever banned from this podcast how <laughs> no, no, no. heretic so, yeah, so put your pitchforks in so so yeah platinum but the interesting thing is uh, a few months ago uh, someone from platinum games just posted a picture of bayonetta 1 and 2 one one of them red color one of them blue color side by side and fans thought that was a hint to it coming to the switch because the neon switch has one hmm. red and one blue joycon and when this was announced hideki kamiya actually went back and retweeted that and around the time they also did a tease for the wonderful 101 so we probably will have a reveal for either a port or a sequel to that soon yeah, given so what's happened for those of you Won- yeah. wonderful 101 was uh, a nintendo published nintendo got platinum to make a uh batshit insane game uh action game not exactly had, action more like action. strategy strategy action like where you basically crazy. control power rangers and you do cool stuff and yeah so So that, the that was also yeah. Wii U exclusive, and uh, yeah, so it seems like it's gonna come to the Switch in some form. Yeah, so that was a thing. Uh, but yeah, and if, if so, that means if you're a Switch fan sitting in India, and I know there are more than a few of you out there, uh, 2018 is gonna be the year your console purchase is actually justified because you know 2017 only had Zelda and only had Mario. So yeah, 2018 has Bayonetta 3 confirmed. 
Hmm. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Okay then. So my favorite moment from the Game Awards was that PUBG didn't win the Game of the Year. Yeah, but that's the, actually the funny good. thing is at an at an award show, uh, they spend more time showing off trailers and all, and actually just casually mentioned, oh by the way, the soundtrack winner or the soundtrack they actually showed, oh by the way, multiplayer game is this, esports game is this, and they just said that they didn't even have a presentation. Yeah, for I it. think they and probably ran out of time or something. Probably because like Kojima showed like forty <laughs> minutes out of a fifty minute show almost no. But uh, I exaggerate. But yeah, uh, PUBG didn't win Game of the Year. Breath of the Wild won Game of the Year, and it was funny seeing the uh, the stuff, seeing the reactions online. There was, there was a group who wanted PUBG to win just to piss off the rest, and there was everyone else who didn't even care who. Are. They just said like, "Thank God PUBG didn't win. It doesn't deserve to win." Yeah, it was I was really one fun. of those people. Like, yeah, because the PC version at that time it still is pretty much in shambles. And, and also, man, come on, a game with one map. Really, that, that would win Why the not? game of the year. Why not? League of Legends, Dota 2, they all started with one map. I don't think it's a question of the map. It's just a question of the polish. And uh, Exactly. That's the big problem there. Yeah. There isn't much polish in that game. I mean, if a game like PUBG would win game of the year, that sets precedent for poorly released titles like Assassin's Creed Unity to get a free pass. So it's good that it, did, it didn't But win. yeah, we'll talk about PUBG when we talk about the Xbox version in a bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So PlayStation Experience 2018, Which, apparently. Uh, she was glad he didn't stay up for. I woke up early, watched about half an hour of it and then just went back to playing Xenoblade Chronicles 2 because... <laughs> is uh, the biggest news really that there's no date to God of War? Yeah, essentially we, there is. Four. I mean, like... Unless uh, you count... Un- unless you count... Uh, Hideo Kojima's uh, 10-minute panel where uh, he essentially talked about uh, Death Stranding running on a PS4 Pro and and the reason why he went with the Decima engine, which was basically because when he visited the offices of uh, Guerrilla Games, makers of the Decima engine and also guys who made Horizon Zero Dawn, that at the end of their presentation, they just gave him a box that had the source code, which doesn't happen. So for for those of you who are in in in, in who who know how to code or know what goes down in coding and programming, it's very rare to get the source code for a for an engine. No one's going to give that to you upfront without any without without a number of strings attached. And the fact that they just gave it to him upright basically gave him the reason just to go with them. But what's the subtext to this is even more important. It basically means that Death Stranding has a very strong chance of being exclusive to PlayStation. Which and which is contradictory to what happened when the game was announced a year ago, where they thought it would come to PC as well. In fact, we we did a story as well at the time where uh, it was where where Kojima had said yes, we want to bring it to PC later. But very fact that it's using Sony's proprietary tech that's never been outside of the PlayStation ecosystem, so augurs to the fact that augurs to the possibility rather that we might not see this outside of PlayStation consoles. But yeah, so Sony like they've they've mentioned multiple times in blog posts and. Uh, like basically just post highlighting PlayStation experience that this year they they're going to tone it down quite a bit and they want more focus on Paris Games Week and they did have quite a few announcements at Paris Games Week but uh, what i find interesting is the uh, PlayStation experience last year and the year before were really good for smaller games i mean we had announcements for Yakuza Kiwami Yakuza 6 localizations Yakuza 0 the year before Danganronpa 3 lots of stuff was shown off but uh, what I think has happened is obviously they need eyes on the game awards as well and you can't have both at the same time you can't have announcements at both places so I have a feeling they've pushed one to Paris Games Week so they have one big event in Europe in the year where they announce stuff and uh, their PlayStation experience is just a place for their fans to come out and check out the games coming up and all. Because they they had like a talk show like setup, which was not really good for reveals because there was just too much talking and not really much being shown off. Like we saw more footage of Dreams 
then they announced the remake of the PlayStation 1 game Medieval which I had never heard of until this Wait, was Wait, what? You have yeah. heard of Medieval? Yeah, okay, because so PlayStation 1 I was literally only playing WWF Warzone Smackdown <laughs> stuff like okay, that. Okay, so Medieval time. was this really really cool idea where you played an undead skeleton knight and uh, you had to solve puzzles and hack and slash your way through a very elaborate level, very cool levels and it was one of the showcase titles for the PlayStation for the original PlayStation simply because at that time no one saw anything like that in 3D and it was really really cool uh, and it's nice to see Sony actually bringing back that title in some way but uh, honestly PlayStation experience in itself uh, seems to be following the BlizzCon kind of approach minus the big announcements where it exists for the fans to come and show up and congregate and i don't think that's wrong i think it's about time sony uh started to care about their legacy i i just wish they'd care about it in ways that are more tangible such as you know well uh, backward compatibility on i want my PS3. that's not happening like a man can dream that's not happening because like they just just give up on because that by now if we somehow get the playstation 5 playing playstation 4 games we should be grateful kind of like how everyone says be grateful nintendo has allowed you to experience a classic oh. like kind of like that stuff or region free yeah like thanks for region free and like uh multi-voltage plugs and all we should be grateful for these but things. that's hygiene at this stage everyone does that yeah so that's kind of wow. like even nintendo ditched backward compatibility with the switch true but yeah then so and they were like the best at it because they literally let you use every single game which came out on the last gen on current gen uh yeah kind of kind of like that though what what did happen though it was with the wii u you could play wii games you couldn't play gamecube games GameCube yeah, games. Yeah, so one generation. Yeah, behind. one generation behind. It's like so, how yeah. the 3DS plays DS games and the DS played GBA games, but GBA games aren't playable. On but with the case of the PS3, at least we can give them that excuse that okay, they had a completely different cell architecture or whatever. So exactly. to port all of that to PS4 would be quite difficult and probably not worth the cost. Yeah, but, but what, then like just getting a bit more into this, what I don't get is you had PS2 classics on the PS3, and the PS3 plays PS1 games natively. Uh, their whole insistence on putting trophies on the PS2 classics that come to PS4 has basically just ruined that whole initiative because it's basically dead. We've seen barely any games come out of it. Meanwhile, uh, uh, with Microsoft, the original Xbox game, which are playable now, they don't have any additions. They either no. run better through emulation or they just exist. They should have just done that because some of these publishers don't want to go and add code for all this stuff. Like, just let them put the games and they already exist on the PS3. Like, you can play... Uh, you could play all the GTA games from the PS2 on the PS3. You could play all the Atlas games from PS2 on PS3. But like only GTA made it over because like Rockstar yeah. and they port GTA to everything. So yeah. I don't know, like whatever. Sony's, they just gave up on backward compatibility. MS gave up on exclusive. So. Hmm. Cool then. So moving on to the next topic, which is App Store. So apparently they now finally let you yeah, pre-order like, games like it's 2005. Apple's been so weird about how they handle games on the App Store. Like not even talking about India in general. Like it always seems like one year they suddenly care about it and they do tons of good stuff. And then the next year they just forget. Like with iOS 7, we had made for iPhone, made for iOS controller support, which kind of died. And then they kind of did some stuff in the back end, which made it better. And now it's just accepted, but they don't talk about it. Even though they have an exclusive controller they sell in their stores. See, Apple TV is the best portable gaming console out there, okay? Apple TV? Yeah. Portable? Yeah. What? You can carry it in your bag. Ah, so like it's a Switch then? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is like that, uh, this is like that, uh, the meme about Doom where, uh, oh, Doom runs at only 720, 30 on the Switch. Like I can play it at 4000 FPS and like 18K on my PC and I can strap it to my back. <laughs> 
with five <laughs> GTX Titans. Anyway, so uh, listen, like, if you have that many GTX Titans, you better be mining some cryptocurrency. Yeah, as of as as recent as a few hours b- before this recording, uh, Apple went live with a pre-order page on the on the US, not in the India App Store yet. which highlighted some upcoming games and what's interesting is some of like most of these have not been announced before bridge constructor portal got announced which brings portal as an ip to the app store life is strange is coming to the app store this so tell friday so something is this portal game uh, the bridge constructor bridge portal constructor version is a is, game, it... is a puzzle game about making bridges as the name suggests and it will use the portal ip hmm. with sounds and uh, use those mechanics oh, in okay. this i thought it was like portal coming to ios no no Now, so it's not portal coming anywhere else they basically just licensed the ip from valve and uh, that's your new portal game because uh, valve forgot oh wait there, and there's more to it uh, the bridge is a lie more than that uh if, if for those of you who have seen the trailer like i have what they've done is they've disabled the likes and dislikes for very obvious reasons because uh as much as i i mean as much as i hate to say it this is probably the first time the half life and portal community is right at being angry uh reason being um this game was announced and people thought it was just an elaborate joke and hey you know it might open the path to more studios doing stuff around half life and portal uh they assumed there'd be something more than just a bridge constructor spin on portal but that isn't the case and honestly at this point in time i just think that valve should just say it out that hey we're not making games anymore because you're toying with a lot of people's emotions at this hey, stage but they make dota that doesn't count i said games no so the the thing is uh <clears throat> there was a rumor that there was something going to be announced at the game awards involving the portal ip so everyone got excited because like everyone loves portal 2 except rishi and they kind of wanted a new game so uh when this happened everyone thought the announcement leaked but it didn't because like i got a press release a day before saying we're going to announce it at this time and everyone thought oh this is just something side this is actually going to lead up to another announcement nothing happened at the game awards so everyone got even more angry because where's portal 3 i think honestly If anyone who wants a new portal game and given how valve is right now the best you're going to get is portal 2 being vr support being added officially or a vr portal game being made and hopefully it won't be free to play because they're not going to do anything else right but now. we are not portal yeah so yeah basically bridge constructor is one of them life is strange is releasing on friday inside from the creators of limbo is also coming out very soon on and it's iOS. up for pre order on ios Uh, so yeah, basically lots of stuff announced, uh, not announced technically, just listed directly, and it's up for pre-order. And uh, when you pre-order on the App Store, it's similar to how pre-ordering music works, where you'll get charged when the thing releases, but it's just like you're pre-authorizing a purchase on your payment method. Which uh, now this is interesting because like in general, pre-ordering for digital stuff is only worth it if you get a bonus or a discount, like you see on Steam. since apple's just launched it now pre pre-ordering is just basically pre-authorizing it you don't actually get anything the pricing is not lower these are things they might add in the future and this is a really old feature which has been there on almost every storefront so although there is one way they could actually make it interesting uh assuming now we don't know if this is possible but it would be really interesting to see if a uh, if let's say a certain game hits a crit- hits critical mass in terms of pre-orders perhaps it will show up offer everyone on the app store right up front in terms of visibility and that would be interesting to see if they manage to do something like that because steam does something like this where if enough people put a game on their wish list it ends up being visible to a whole lot more people 
and it ends up showing up on the charts and there's there's a certain degree of visibility and discoverability attached so to it so from what i know apple has taken the opposite op- approach mm-hmm. everything they curate is now completely manual with like editors sitting there and mm-hmm. writing articles and uh, putting them up on the app store front page mm-hmm. and if you look at the app store now it's no longer like the app store of old it's True. every feature is actually a proper detailed researched article with interviews there. and yeah, yeah. The, there's a separate game section now compared to earlier where games and apps were together yeah. uh in a lot of cases it's really good at least abroad but the problem is uh, on the local side i'm not seeing much improvement while i do love seeing games like planescape torment and all get featured here that's not really relevant for the indian market because most people aren't going to care about that this is another step to showing apple cares somewhat about games but i want to see how this ends up being in the next 2 3 months i would really like them to give an option to developers to offer a pre-order discount of some kind yeah uh, that's what now this yeah. is the first step is enabling the feature hopefully you get that or maybe or uh, maybe even offer bonuses like you do this you get like i message stickers only if you pre-order because right now a lot of games get i message stickers like life is strange i i definitely like i'm very sure they won't do that because they ideally want to promote usage of i message stickers okay so i'm just saying yeah. something which you can offer yeah. tangible and not you know like bullshit like steam sometimes you get a wallpaper if you pre-order wow a free jpeg anyway <laughs> yeah but again which then breaks the question right while everything's curated and hand done and have hand crafted like your favorite coffee from starbucks uh the big issue here is then uh, how do how do developers who enable or flip the switch on pre-orders how do they guarantee discoverability because then if you're not on the front page and you're not seen how the heck is that even going to work and that to me that's going to be the more interesting situation because if it's uh, i i mean i haven't checked out the app store in over a cup in a month or so but i foresee a situation where uh I won't be surprised if pre-orders gets its own separate section on the front page because that's the it only does. way. It does. It does in the US right now where There Apple's chosen 10 games or I think There 15 games to launch this program with. Uh but yeah there's going to be a separate thing saying yeah, pre-order upcoming to. big games and all and because then, 2007 is 2017 has seen like massive games like Darkest Dungeon the Witness and all show up on iOS Talos principle. Yeah and so then these, what? what that essentially means is uh while apple was nicely willing to call it uh you know curation and editorial and if you're going to have a nice tab for pre-orders right there does that fall into commerce am i seeing an ad that that also that, that that's a part of the interaction and perception that's going to be fun to see what happens going forward hmm okay then so we've got a whole bunch of topics to talk about and we're already running a bit long so let's just wrap these up quickly um the longest one i guess will be this monster hunter world beta oh yeah so uh, not really i mean long story short you it as the name suggests you're a monster hunter and uh, it takes place in a very exotic uh, world what's it called mike what world the world of monster hunter yeah that's the game name monster hunter world <laughs> kill me kill me right so, now so uh, but yeah game of 2018 confirmed because why you you have because cats. cats cook for you cats cook for you and cats <laughs> are your helpers in the game so like game of the year confirmed. so i know nothing about monster hunter so, the entire franchise but i do love the massive weapons that you use so in the game so you have you have axes that turn into guns yeah i love how Obviously, like all these this final uh, fantasy 8 anyway I know, right? so See, these weapons are like bigger than the characters themselves exactly, which is ludicrously so over cool, the top yeah. so monster hunter for for those who have never played one and all you choose one of 16 weapons each of them plays completely different it's kind of like choosing a a, a different character in a complicated fighting game except this is actually fun and not complicated uh, your aim is to track large monsters 
across like different locations like ancient forests wild spire forests and basically you have lots of vegetation in these locations or deserts and stuff like that your aim basically as the name suggests is to hunt the monster you play as a hunter solo or with help from friends online and uh, all of you are like prepare for the hunt cook they get items pick up your weapons choose your weapons and then go and work together and try and get the monster now mon- the the good thing about monster hunter besides the combat is in how the ai of the actual monsters is each of them will behave completely different each of them has different weaknesses and strengths so it, you need to choose weapons accordingly and uh, yeah things get really crazy when you're like hunting giant monsters with multiple people everyone's like firing smoke grenades or firing insect poison darts and stuff like that and uh, if if you if you've never played an action rpg it's fine because some of the weapons like the dual blades you can get away hacking and slashing initially and then spending some time in the training area to learn combos and stuff like that this is the first monster hunter on home consoles built from scratch for home consoles in a long time and uh, it looks really good so in the beta i, I played about 7 times the three hunts available or at least there were because this will go up after the beta has ended and uh, yeah looking forward to picking it up in january when it releases yeah and so what's interesting as mike said it's the first it's a, it's being made ground up for consoles for the first time that's because the last few games were essentially on the 3ds and before that on the psp and there was one game on the wii u but uh, well that was you know, basically a port like i mean exactly. no one played it on the wii u what I've, happened to that double cross game was it good Yeah it was but again it was a 3DS game ported to the Switch and in Japanese only so yeah. like I've only managed playing about 20 hours of it compared to over 100 of Monster Hunter 4 on 3DS yeah okay but it's looking really good it's super well polished uh, the combat is pretty cool and it's very easy to get into as someone who's never played a Monster Hunter game before I found it quite easy to get into and it's quite fun uh you might want to look forward to that i think that's out jan 26th yes jan 26th on ps4 and xbox one and uh, it's coming to pc later probably like 6 to 8 months after yep okay then so next topic is hearthstone expansion mike i hear you've uh like spent another no, 2000 dollars on hearthstone no not spent anything on the expansion yet but the new solo mode which is the dungeon raid or dungeon run mode which is like a rogue like you play against you play with random decks against bosses which are pre like whatever set boss with set health and then the eight you have to fa- face up against in a single run you defeat them you win stuff after each victory you get a treasure and you get loot the treasure is like batshit insane things like a passive skill which puts three random secrets like plays three random secrets for you for free or something which reduces the costs of all your cards increases the costs of the bosses cards stuff like that really really good lots of random stuff can happen uh, i've gotten close to defeating the final or eighth dungeon boss twice so far and uh, yeah really enjoying it haven't actually paid attention to the new cards because uh, haven't bought anything yet but yeah this solo thing is really good you can play it without owning anything so yeah that's good another thing about the app store is uh, uh recently the iPhone 10 released iOS 11 released before that and that's caused a lot of developers a lot of stress because they've had to update their games not just once but twice once to bring 64 bit compatibility in for iOS 11 and once for iPhone 10 support because the screen size and screen aspect ratio is different uh Simogo made some really great games like Device 6 uh The Sailor's Dream Your Walk and stuff like that then new game is not going to come to iOS because they said they spent the better part of the the current year working on updates and fixing their old games instead of working on their new project so their new project will actually be on consoles and they have a publisher so yeah 
that's something interesting which has happened on the app store okay so rishi mm-hmm. do you want to like jump into the heart mm-hmm. of the hurricane yeah yeah so uh last week uh games a shop uh, a games retailer which is run by e express one of india's leading distributors for games uh uh put up a very interesting post on facebook and uh, an image on their site which had six games uh fifa 18 wwe 2k 18 gta 5 um need for speed payback uh assassin's creed origins and call of duty world war 2 and uh, the the creative and the image was basically you come into the store trade in these six games and uh, you get store credit that you can use towards new games or uh, what or accessories or whatever have you so what happened after that is uh, uh is well we covered that as a story because hey that's imp- that that's good for people to know right reason being uh used games and pre-owned games and selling of used and pre-owned games doesn't happen at the store level anymore it doesn't happen in physical stores outside of CEX the only people who the only stores i used to do it were landmark which stopped doing it a year ago year and a half ago is landmark even a thing anymore yeah it is and it's okay. actually one of the biggest buyers of fifa uh, from the gray market hmm. and then you have uh uh what's his oops sorry yeah th- then you had game for you which was the only other guys who do used games so it was interesting to see right because it doesn't really happen uh but then what happened next was uh, a day or two later uh all that information uh seemed to disappear from the internets um wh- wh- what I, and which is amusing because uh, i think we were the only ones who were able to cover it on gadgetcc.com our story is still up and the comment we received from games a shop was that the terms and conditions have changed where it's not that you trade in any of these six games it's that you trade in your other games and get one of these six games which doesn't make much sense if you think about it and uh, i think of it think that a lot of it has to do with the fact that um well i mean if you're a, if you're a, if you're a retailer that's run by a distributor that pub, that's a, that that distributes games for i think more than half of the uh, game publishers around and if you're doing something like you know a used game uh program that includes their games uh, i'm sure there must have been a tap on the shoulder or 20 and that would explain why the terms have been changed uh and from what i've also been hearing there's a chance that the entire program might be scrapped and it's a little tragic because at the end of the i mean used games are important because uh let's be honest here not everyone has the bandwidth or wants to deal with digital no not everyone wants uh, everyone people want their discs and people want their stuff cheap and it's a, it was a, it's a legitimate way to get your things at a better rate but yeah that was it, it's it died as fast as it showed up which is tragic all the same so yeah that happened and i'm sure pro- i'm probably going to get uh, a ton of hate for for that altogether simply because our story was called as sensationalized and fabricated when it was based on the facts that were on which were put up by the retailer themselves on facebook exactly exactly anyway so, so um two more topics to go uh, yeah. one of this is battlefield bad company 3 rumors yeah so for those of you who are unaware battlefield bad company was is was basically ea's a uh, side franchise to battlefield oh uh, so you how how did it work was you'd have stuff like battlefield uh like you basically you'd have stuff like battlefield 3 or you have stuff like battlefield 4 and then from time to time there'd be bad company now the thing is with bad company the focus was more on narrative the focus was more on you're playing as a uh, as a squad of you know the b team the unruly lot from the army trying to do stuff and save the world and all that nonsense and uh, the first game did quite well it was an exclusive to ps3 and xbox 360 never came to pc it was quite an interesting title for the time because the the story elements were pretty much uh, were pretty much on par and it was a good game fun game 
The second game took it up a notch, featured a lot of destruction, featured a lot of uh, character. Uh, you played the same squad that you played from the last game, which is also really cool. And uh, it, it was fun to play. Uh, and the multiplayer was also really good because of the insane amount of destruction. And to this day, people are still playing Battlefield Bad, Bad Company 2 on Steam. Now, what's happened is that there have been several rumors during the rounds that uh, Battlefield Bad Company 3 is in development at, e at DICE. And it's scheduled for a 2018 reveal at E3 with, uh, with a release probably in the same year. Now, that's interesting for a bunch of reasons because, uh, for one, uh, the source of this rumor comes from the same guy who leaked a bunch of things regarding uh, Battlefield 1 uh, in terms of feature set. And so it, it does seem to make sense that, yes, they would do a Battlefield 3 because the source seems legit. But what's, but what's interesting here is that the team behind Battlefield Bad Company disbanded a long time ago. Uh, David Goldfarb, who did the design and story, is no longer at the company. He's doing his own games right now. He's, his, he started his own company called The Outsiders, along with Ben Cousins. Oh, ben Cousins was the other guy who I think worked on Battlefield Heroes. Sorry, Ben Cousins was Battlefield Heroes, not Battlefield Bad Company. But point is, uh, a lot of the devs who worked on the first two games are not at EA anymore. Uh, and how they put it together will be interesting because uh, the way I see it, the only studio within EA with any narrative jobs to pull this off probably EA Motive and they're the guys who did the single player campaign for Battle for Star Wars Battlefront 2 which is okay so who knows we might just see another collaboration between EA Studios to get this out um, but what's also going to be interesting is because uh, DICE is just come off a, has just come off a really poor showing with Battlefront 2 and how this is received will be interesting what the feedback's going to be is interesting and EA has already said that they're not going to let go of their uh, agenda in pushing microtransactions. EA has said that the linear single-player game is dead, more or less. Which is amusing because Battlefield Bad Company was known for its campaign. Uh, so how it all comes together will be a point of contention. And very interesting to see. So this is an EA game then? Yeah? So Allegedly. Immediately I lost interest. There cool. we go. Uh, finally, something more interesting than Electronic Arts, which is Player Unknown's Battlegrounds and its Xbox One X version. Oh, PUBG released on uh, the Xbox One platform at midnight today as of this recording. Which is 12th of December. Yes. And uh, it launched with Xbox One X support with HDR and 4K, not, not 60 FPS as we've mentioned before. And uh, yeah, basically it launched uh, and we've been playing it. I played five rounds. I don't know how much. Rishi's played probably more by now. He's been playing on the Xbox One X. I've been playing on the One S. And uh, it's been interesting. So Yeah, so it's actually quite good for a lot of reasons. I mean, it doesn't... Let's be honest here. PUBG doesn't make the best first impression. Reason being, when you're done with a game, you're booted right out uh, and it to the start menu all over again. They need to fix that. It's jarring. Uh, when you get into a game, uh, the frame rate is lower than a PowerPoint presentation run by uh, a person who's not exactly alive. And even even when you're getting into a game proper, uh, the, the, each game starts with you parachuting off a, off, a, off a gigantic plane. And even that sequence is pretty poorly done. But when you're actually on ground and you're actually aiming, you're actually shooting, when you're, travel when you're, when you're going through the game world, when you're vaunting into a building, shattering glass as you enter, uh, as you jump through the window, it works. The frame rate is consistent. Aiming is accurate. It's a little clunky, but it's a lot more playable and miles ahead of what the, P uh, what the PC version is. 
So, uh, yeah, surprisingly good. Much better than what I played on PC. And I can see myself playing this for quite a while. Um, what's interesting, though, is that yeah, while, while I was playing it uh, last night, Mike, I think the best he topped off was at 26 out of 100 players. Yeah. Uh, 22 sub. Okay. So I played till I got that much and I stopped. So I think I played... I think That's because Xbox One X enhanced it, gave you better <laughs> controls or something. <laughs> Now, jokes aside, in fact, the Xbox One X version, I feel, is a, at a bit of a disadvantage because you get to see more detail and you get to see more foliage, which means that your opposition can be better hidden. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they manage uh, expectations around things like that. But the game itself is ridiculously fun simply because it keeps a consistent frame rate and the controls are super responsive. In fact, uh, just, to, just to double check, what I ended up doing was I ended up booting up the game on PC as well to see if the uh, how different the controls are and honestly it's a night and day difference the responsiveness on on the xbox one in terms of controls make it feel like a better game altogether so yeah this is surprisingly good and uh if this is the state it's in right now uh as much as i as i hate the term early access this is early access done well so yeah definitely looking to see what they managed to pull off with the full game yeah so finally we said something good about pubg everyone be happy clap your hands and stop sending us hate mail oh and one last thing though uh, the game is surprisingly uh a, a lighter download than initially expected the pc version clocks in at around 8 gigs uh and the microsoft store says you need up to 30 gigs but the download size itself was around 5.24 gb uh that's what i had on the one x that's what mike had on the one s and that's something to know so if it's something you want to check out yeah the, don't let your uh uh, FUP get the better of you it should run fine cool okay then finally the games we've been playing this week so Mikhail why don't you tell us which AAA game you've been playing this week apart from PUBG <laughs> I've been playing Monster Hunter World Beta which uh. I already spoke about and uh, I've been playing a lot of uh, Edmund McMillan the creator of Super Meat Boy his uh, game the new game The End Is Nigh which released on the Nintendo Switch. Been playing a lot of that on both PC and Nintendo so Switch. So tell me something. Is this game like made by Macmillan himself or is this somebody else involved in the project? It's Macmillan and someone whose name I can't remember right now. But okay. it's not the same. It's not Tommy who worked on Super Meat Boy with him. And uh, it doesn't have Daddy, Danny Baranowski who did the soundtrack yeah. of Super well, Meat Boy for obvious reasons. But yeah, this has Ridiculon. Has he done the soundtrack himself? No, it has Ridiculon who's done the soundtrack, who also worked on the Binding of Isaac, Rebirth okay. soundtrack and so part everyone, of the new soundtrack. So if you want this game, probably get it right away, get your physical editions, everything, because you never know when this developer might have a falling no, out. No, I, <laughs> I don't think that'll happen, but uh, it plays very, It while it does look like a quote-unquote Super Meat Boy rip-off, as some people have called it, it, it actually plays really good. Uh, in fact, some of the... the Controls are really precise as platforming. It's super hard as expected. Like expect to die a lot and restart each level and stuff like that. Uh, very good music. Very interesting art style. Use of colors and all that. Uh, I think I'm about... Uh, I, I think I read somewhere that it has 600 levels or some nonsense like that. I, I'm like barely into the first 100 or so. I've uh, been playing a lot of that. Uh, it looks really good like undocked in handheld mode on the Switch. But uh, when you play it docked and... There's an anti-aliasing option for some reason and it, it doesn't really look that great. Like I kind of expected better given uh, it run, it looks better on like a laptop. So I'd, I'd recommend getting this either on Steam or if you're getting it on Switch, play it in handheld mode. But only play it if you like, like Super Meat Boy and games like that, which are really hard and like platformers. So yeah. Cool then. Okay. So I've been playing two games which I couldn't talk about for the last two episodes. Oh, you've been playing games? Yeah. 
Uh, yeah. One of them is called Big Bash Cricket. It's a cricket game based on the Big Bash League, which is a 2020 tournament. For those who don't know, in cricket, there's a form of cricket where you play 20 overs each. Um, so Big Bash Cricket is based on that, and it's actually a qu- quite a fun game. You don't have to do much. Uh, it's like when you're bowling, you just like point the direction you want the ball to land here, and you decide which direction you want the ball to go in. So you can choose whether you have a slower delivery that's like spinning in towards the batsman or out away from the batsman, or swinging in or out. And while batting, all you have to do is swipe in the direction you want to hit the shot. If you get the timing right, then you smash it out of the park for a six. If not, then you can be caught, or it can go for a four, or one or two runs here and there so overall really really good game like probably the best cricket game you can play right now and the best thing is it's free to play but they have done the ads very tastefully so these appear only in between innings so when you finish a 5 over 2 over 20 over game only then you will see an ad and yeah so there are some sponsor logos that show up in the middle but the thing is these logos will only show up when you hit a 50 or when you trigger like two new mechanics in the game which is like super bat and super ball so what super bat does is when you hit three sixes uh you can hit those sixes with more power after that so if you for example miss a shot then you lose like one strike in your super bat like that if you like miss three shots get out three times or whatever then yeah then you don't have super bat anymore similarly super ball lets you bowl much faster in this game so i really enjoyed the game overall like it has all player licenses from the big bash league which means uh, no indian cricketers except for two uh, women cricketers harmanpreet kaur and uh, veda krishnamurthy but yeah by and large all other players uh, that you know are there in the big bash league they are there but yeah indians only these two uh, But yeah only thing i didn't like about the game was that player likenesses are pretty bad like you can look at a player and only tell that okay the skin tone is different otherwise every player looks like a generic character model but yeah uh, very well developed game and a lot of fun to play the other game which i've been playing is called sachin saga cricket champions and it is the opposite of a good game it's a free to play game again uh, with really like aggressive uh, monetization but not as ag- aggressive as maybe you know what we saw with uh, what we see usually with these uh, uh, real cricket games from nautilus yeah but so except except here that see in nautilus cases they tend to overdo the ads in the first couple of weeks of gameplay yeah here we have like what four currencies yeah but then yeah. the thing is uh, these Confusing. guys don't show you that many ads they don't yeah they just expect you to like or wade through four different currencies which yeah. in a game in 2017 a free to play game in 2017 it's overkill yeah that's true so anyway the main problem is not the free to play element in this game this game the real problem is that while they've done some motion capture with sachin tendulkar and his shots look quite accurate uh yeah like there are horrendous bugs like uh, there's one bug where you cancel a run midway through and still gets counted as a run and then there is one bug where like you hit any shot and the ball i mean in most shots the ball actually does not hit the bat like your bat will swing first then the ball will hit a block of air in front of you and then suddenly just teleport itself to the boundary so that's you know again like ridiculous i'm still going to like you know say go out there and say that okay fine maybe you know it's a mobile game and they couldn't optimize it properly or something but it's still inexcusable when you actually like see the replays and in slow motion you can see that the ball is not hitting the bat yeah so. and what's even more interesting is that uh, you could also forgive it if it was a smaller studio but the game's been in beta for almost 3 months yeah it's and uh, they've had over uh, the studio has claimed that over 25000 people have played it none of this seems to have been flagged yeah and what's even more interesting is let's be honest here if you're a studio that can afford to fork out for the such in license 
you better have a decent game to show for it exactly so why do you want to do this to like people who are playing the game like runouts are blo- broken in the game entirely uh, what you do is when you get uh, run out you will notice that quite a few times you are actually inside the crease but then the replay will show you outside i mean how can you even ship a game with this kind of a bug it's a game breaking bug if you're not out you're not out if you're out you're out that's a very simple thing right and then uh, we also notice a bunch of other like uh, minor bugs or issues with the game like there was this one time when uh, during legend mode which is the ga- game mode where you get to play as sachin tendulkar and you can call it the single player campaign so this mode basically makes you play as uh, sachin when he was a 16 year old and you can play through all the important matches in his career and over there uh, once like i edged the ball to the keeper the keeper for some reason instead of catching the ball started running towards the stump and missed the ball entirely and the ball went for a boundary i mean i really can't understand how you even ship something like this and this is you know like not even mentioning the fact that the game does not have bowling they're going to add bowling later I really can't understand why you would have a events mode which is basically a copy of FIFA Ultimate Team but not ship a cricket game with bowling. Yeah, I mean it's it's just a little tragic because uh, at the end of it uh, it's a game that has that that has an a mass appeal and it's a game that got featured quite heavily on the Play Store and the App Store. Yep. It got featured on the App Store as well. Yeah. Yes. And uh, yeah, the, the day one experience has been far from palpable. Even and also, even now, like yeah. there are lots of server issues with the game. Yep. So you open the game and you'll see that Sachin's oil painting uh, face and like his uh, Sachin Saga Cricket Champions banner, mm. and then there will be a loading icon, spinner, spinner, spinning, spinning. But you know, the game yeah. never opens. So, and that's the thing. And what what what's scary enough is that uh, I thought we were the only ones who faced this issue. but then it turns out a lot more people are facing the same concerns so go check app yeah. store reviews go check uh, like on our youtube channel youtube.com/gadgets360 yep. go check out the sachin saga video go see the comments you will find people complaining about the same things as you know we did yeah so it's quite sad that you know they shipped this kind of an incomplete beta product as a final game and yeah. then they actually expect people to play this i mean you know if you are a fan of sachin tendulkar you probably like looking uh, you're very excited at the thought of playing through his career but first of all you know sachin's career included so many instances where he would take five wickets while bowling or mm-hmm. where he would come up with a crucial spell like if you remember there was this hero cup uh, earlier i think around 1993 mm. where sachin bowled the final over where south africa needed six runs so he bowled that over and he mm. c- contained them well enough so that you know india won that thing done that mm. match so why can't you play as those uh, why can't you play through those moments as well why do you have to just bat again and again and it's also quite ridiculous that they expect you to uh, like in every single game in the legend mode all you have to do is chase down a certain number of runs within a certain number of balls so where's the variation like why does pakistan's famed bowling attack featuring wasim akram and wakar yunus and all why does their bowling feel exactly the same as some uh, delhi uh, like ranji trophy bowlers from delhi when you play the next game so it's so many things which i can't really explain with this uh like can't really understand why the developers would you know like skimp out on instead of actually going forward and developing something you know that that actually makes sense and that fans of the game deserve but we have here is is basically an incomplete product something that should not have shipped out of beta so yeah anyway rishi what have you been playing well been playing aside from pub from pubg and uh, aside on on xbox one x and aside from a bit of overwatch just to prep for the winter wonderland event uh, i've been playing quite a bit of uh, okami which is uh, uh an hd remaster of a ps2 game 
which is basically Zelda, but instead of Zelda, you have a white wolf, and instead of a, you know, princess to save, you have a village to save. So it's pretty interesting. Uh, looks really nice in 4K. Uh, been playing that. Been playing Ghost. Re- go. Been going back to Ghost Recon Wildlands just to see how good it looks at 4K. So that's also fun. So basically, been playing those two. Okay then, I think that's it for this episode of Transition, and we will see you with another episode next week where we will be talking about our favorite games of the year. So hopefully, Rishi, Mikhail, me, and our pop culture nerd Akhil Arora will be present for that episode. So do stay tuned for our year-ender special episode, which will be released on December nineteenth. As always, the music for this podcast comes via Magnus Solai Paulson, whose album PPP PPP is where the tracks are from. And if you like this podcast, don't forget to rate us on iTunes and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram at Gadgets360. Thank you so much for listening.